listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Hey everyone, it's Friday, April 17th, 2020, and we are about a month into uh, some pretty significant physical distancing requirements here in Portland, Oregon. It's a little over a month since we put our in-person support groups on pause, and we're two weeks into our virtual groups that happened. Uh, we just had about, we had 21 groups so far in the last two weeks, and it's been so wonderful to see everyone's faces from our support groups. And it just made me wonder, how are all of you doing out there? Feel free to reach out to me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. I'd just love to hear like what's coming up for you and your grief. How are you responding to the whole world suddenly talking about grief? Sometimes related to the fact that someone in their life has a diagnosis or has died, but oftentimes in all the other non-death types of losses. And just wondering what that what that's like for you to hear people talking so much about grief. So yeah, reach out to me, griefoutloud at dougie.org. So on this show, we've talked to people who were children or teens when their parent died, and we've talked to adults who are parenting grieving children and teens. We've talked to lots of other people with various roles and connections to grief, but we haven't yet explored what it's like to be a step-parent to grieving children. In 2014, Paige Smith started dating her now husband, and at the time, his two daughters, Olivia and Chloe, who he co-parented with his ex-wife, Danielle, were 1 and 12. Less than a year later, the girl's mom, Danielle, was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And then two years later, in June of 2017, Danielle died. Olivia and Chloe moved in with Paige and her husband, and Paige suddenly became the full-time other mother. In the short time that Paige and her husband were together before Danielle died, Danielle and Paige had cultivated a friendship, the kind where Paige would reach out to her for help and suggestions with the girls. Now, Paige was having to figure out how to be on all the time as a mother, without Danielle's support and guidance. Paige and I talk about keeping Danielle's memory alive for Chloe and Olivia, and the ways they've grown individually and together as a family through their grief. Paige, thank you so much for reaching out to me and for being part of the show today. Thank you for having me. And listeners, we're recording this on March 23rd, 2020, and it's about two weeks into the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, I should say about two weeks in for at least here in the U.S. It's been happening for much longer in other parts of the world. And so we just like want to put a little timestamp on there because I'm not sure when this episode will reach your ears. So just so you know where we're talking from. And Paige, you're parenting two grieving children who are six and 17. I'm just curious, like what's coming up for them during this time? What's coming up for you as a parent and what's helping you all? So far, we have been doing pretty well. The The girls are doing well and haven't really had any, any worries just yet. Chloe, my oldest, she 
the only concern that she's really expressed is that she doesn't get to go to her grief group Mm. that she had at school. But other than that, our only worry right now is, is grandparents getting the disease. So, cause I'm concerned about older family members and their vulnerability to it. Yeah. And what's, what's helping for you and your family? Like, how are you occupying your time? How are you taking care of yourselves? Lots of Lysol. But But honestly, the time together, we're kind of trapped in the house together at the moment, but being together and kind of riding it out as a family is, is actually helping more than anything. So Paige, when you first emailed me, you used this term that really stood out to me. You talked about being the other mother to, as a way to describe being a step-parent. And, and while many people become step-parents, it's, it's much less common to be a step-parent to children whose other parent has died. What does being the other mother mean to you? And, and how's that role shifted since Danielle died? I felt more like a step-parent while she was still here. But now that I've assumed the role as the mother, the girls are aware that they have their real mom and they have me, but they also acknowledge me as a mother. And so th- their other mother is just not here in her physical form, but that relationship is still there for them. Yes, very much alive. And when, and when Danielle first died, how old were your kids then? They were 14 and three. So 14 and three. And what did they need? What did they need from you? What did they need from their other parent? Like what, what did their grief look like? It was a whirlwind at first. They, I think they needed more of just us together, but what they got was just an outpour. Everybody was taking them all over the place. So they had Danielle's friends and family wanting them and, they just spent lots and lots of time and at different places. So it was helpful to them because they got to, they didn't lose anything as far as their mom's side went, but I think that they needed more time to really process what was going on. And then it wasn't until months down the road that we actually like settled in and then they were really able to grieve. And when that happened, what did it look like for each of them? It was heartbreaking. It was a lot of tears for the oldest. She, she kind of stifled it. She felt like she had to be strong for her sister, but the youngest one didn't really know how to process how she was feeling at three. So it would just come in, in a wave for her and she didn't really understand how to cope with it. Like a trigger would hit her and then all of a sudden she's having a meltdown on the floor we we've had to learn over the years just what her triggers are because she's never really been able to communicate them. Well, it's so, you know, it's so common for kids when they're as young as your youngest was three, you know, like not totally pre-verbal, but, but pretty close, like just coming into language and not really having the skills yet to really tie language and emotion together. And so they experience this loss at that time. And then as they grow older, they have more access to language, but they may not have, it wasn't encoded in that way. And so it, it seems like it could continue to be a challenge to find ways to express that. She has gotten a lot better over the past, I would say the past year, she's gotten a lot better. Like she'll, she'll come out and tell you, I'm just really missing my mom today. But 
when she was three, she didn't know how to relay that information. She just knew she was really sad. And for the oldest, you could, you could just tell in her face that something was bothering her. And it was, it was hard because she was a teenager and you don't know if it's just drama at school or um, just teenage emotions, or if she was really going through something related to her mom. So we had to just kind of stop and just take her off by herself and be like, Hey, what's going on? And then that's whenever she would just be like, I just really miss mom. Right. When she had that opportunity, she had a little bit easier time identifying what was going on. Right. And she just wouldn't come out and say it. That was what was hard for us was that if she would just come out and say it, we would have known to, to talk more about it, but she would try and hold it in. It just came out as, you know, anger or attitude and, then whenever you stop her and you pull her aside and you're just like, Hey, what's really going on? And then she was just like, I just really miss mom. And then we could really have a conversation about it and she would open up and then she would feel much better after that. But she just really didn't want to bother anybody with her, with her feelings, I think, or she felt like she still had to be strong and had to take it on by herself when she didn't have to. I think you're speaking to probably 99.9% of parents of grieving teenagers out in the world yeah. right now with that experience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's jump- new to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping back to your role, like as a step parent, and then moving into this different role after their other mother, Danielle, died, what do you think is particularly unique about being a step parent to grieving children? you are not only becoming a mother yourself because I didn't have any children coming into this either, but you're not only becoming a a mother full time, but you're also having to honor the one that they lost and you have to find the balance. It be, it became for me, at least it became like a, an identity crisis. I wanted to be the mother that they had, but I also wanted to be myself. It, it brought up a lot of emotions because I felt like I was constantly going to be in somebody else's shadow or somebody else would have done things better or I should have handled this this way because that's what Danielle would have done. So over the years I've taken on that role and it's been hard. So I've had to learn to give myself the grace to know that I was picked to do this and I am what they need right now. It's such a great point. And I think it again speaks to that uniqueness of being a step parent of when the other parent is still alive, there's room for different types of parenting because both roles are fulfilled. And I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective of when the other parent dies of, do I keep being myself? Do I have to replace that person? What, how do we manage both ways of being with these kids? That was the hardest part for me. So I finally, because Olivia doesn't have many memories of her mom. So I would talk to Chloe and I would be like, you know, what does your, what did your mom used to cook? What did, what did y'all used to go and do? And we've incorporated that. So it kind of feels like she's still here. So we'll do things that they used to do together or we'll make meals that they used to make and just try and incorporate her into our daily lives. So I'm still me, but we're doing things that she would have done also. And, and there's another person in the equation. There's your husband, your your daughter's dad, who 
used to be with their other mother, Danielle, who died. And I'm wondering like how, what was that like for you to support him through this process of her dying and her death? Yeah. How, how did that play out in your relationship? It was honestly easier to handle him than it was to handle the girls. They had kind of a tumultuous relationship. So whenever, while we were co-parenting, they just did not get along at all. So once it, once we got past the jealousy and everything that comes along with another woman being in the picture, Danielle and I actually talked more than they did. But as far as him losing somebody, he lost somebody that he was with for a very long time. And, you know, they created two children together and it hit him rather hard at like the day that she died and at her memorial. But after that, he, it's like he got it out and he didn't, he didn't really need anything from me. He just needed me to real recognize that that was somebody special to him, no matter what their relationship was like at the time that she died. And then how about for you? It sounds like you and Danielle forged a connection and, and maybe even a friendship. How did your grief show up just for you independently? To me, the loss felt more like I'm losing guidance. I always looked to her because she was their mom. I always looked to her for for guidance whenever a situation arose or something that me not being a parent wouldn't have thought to handle before. Like if something came up, I would be like, "How? what do you want me to do about this? And she and I would talk about it. But those decisions were solely mine to make after that. So I felt like I was losing like my, my guiding hand. Yeah. It's like, there's the loss of the actual person, their unique personality, and then the loss of the role that they played in your life. Right. It, it was hard just because I had never been a parent before. So I always had somebody to look to another woman, at least to look to. And then when she was gone, I was like, how do I do this by myself? And I'm not by myself. I say that, but it was my husband and I have two different roles. Like he's always been dad. I've never been mom. Right. Like you, your learning, your learning curve was much steeper than his. Right. Yes. (laughs) So Paige, this June, it's going to be three years since Danielle died. How did you all recognize her death anniversary on the first and the second years? We have done balloons and a cake and gone to the beach every year for her birthday, Mother's Day, and her death anniversary in the past couple of years. Actually, I take that back. Last year, Chloe had a different idea, and it was phenomenal. But for the first two years, with everything except for her actual death date last year, we did the balloons, we did cake, and we went to the beach. And they would write on balloons, and we released the balloons. I know that's not very ecologically friendly of us, but, but mm. that's what we did. And it, it was more for Olivia than anything because it gave her something tangible. But last year on her death date, we went on a tour around the city because she lived in two different houses. Chloe grew up in one apartment and then they moved to a little townhouse. Olivia doesn't have any memories of those living in those places. So we 
went to the apartment that they lived in and Chloe we just kind of drove around and walked around and Chloe told Olivia of all these things that she used to do as a kid and told stories and about her mom and then we went to the townhouse that they moved into and we did the same thing there and then one of her favorite shows to watch was Will and Grace and she had a favorite snack that she always made while she was watching Will and Grace. So we did our little tour of things that they used to do together. And then we came home and we watched Will and Grace and ate snacks. <laughs> I, love <that. laughs> and, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about your oldest, Chloe, and what, because there's such a large age difference between her and Olivia, and that she really has a unique role in being the keeper of stories and memories that she can share with Olivia. Yes. and she takes that role very seriously. She loves to tell stories. She loves to tell Olivia how much she is just like her mom. (laughs) (laughs) So even though Olivia can't remember, Chloe is able to help her remember things just by telling her the stories. And it does affect Olivia sometimes because she doesn't have any memories to contribute. So she gets frustrated with that. Yeah, that there's space to be like, it's not, I mean, it's great that you have these memories and you can tell me, but it's not fair. I didn't get my own. Yes. Anything on the horizon for this coming anniversary on the third year? Do you think you'll do the same plan or something different? I don't know. They, they've really been enjoying doing the, the driving around and going to all the places that, that they lived or that they explored together while she was here we've done it a couple of times over the past couple of months. I usually just try and leave that up to them. So whenever it comes around, just ask them what what it is that they're wanting to do. And Olivia being a little bit older now, she may have something she wants to contribute this time. So we'll see. So great that you're giving them the choice and letting them have, you know, authorship over what that plan's going to be. Right. You, You mentioned, you know, that they were living with Danielle in those two different locations. And then I was thinking, mm-hmm. now they're living with you and your husband full time. And what was that transition like, maybe particularly for Chloe being older to be with you all full time? Well, it was really hard at first because their their mom had a boyfriend and they lived together and they had just bought a house. She died in June. They bought a house in May. So they got to live in this new house for a month before they were taken away from it and had to come live with us. And then we bought a house. So we moved, we had an apartment. We moved into this house that we live in now. Chloe and Danielle had more, like, I wouldn't say a friendship, but Danielle did treat her a lot like a friend and just kind of let her do what she wanted. And in our house, we had more rules and more structure. So we went through a, a little bit of a crisis <laughs> with um, with the new parenting strategies. She just, you know, went so long with it being her mom's way. And, you know, she would just come visit us on David's days. We didn't really have like a parenting strategy implemented. We just would visit with them the days that they were at our house. And then when they went back home, Danielle was the primary guardian. So it was her rules, her way. And then when she came to us full time, like we had a whole different set of parenting skills and it was a hard adjustment, but 
now, now everything's great. (laughs) (laughs) So in that in-between time, I'm thinking of maybe there's other folks out there listening who could be in in a similar situation. What helped you the most in that transition time? Honestly, just having my husband's support helped me the most. I needed him to tell me that I was doing okay and that that I wasn't messing everything up. I had the support of Daniel's mom and her friends. We we basically opened our, our home to anybody and everybody that wanted to see the girls or they could just pop in and visit anytime that they wanted to. Knowing that I had the support of all of those people, even the ones that loved her dearly, it made the biggest difference to me knowing that I was supported rather than shunned because I wasn't her. Yeah. The importance of that community and maybe thinking of other folks out there that if they don't have the same type of family support that you had of how important, like seeking out another support group or a Facebook group or some other place where they can talk with other folks who are going through something similar, who can kind of cheerlead for one another. What do you think Danielle would have to say about kind of the family life that you, the four of you have created? I think she'd be really proud of it. We we've done our best and we've, we've grown so much together. Uh, I think that she would be proud. And thinking ahead to some of those really important milestones, you know, Chloe is getting close, I'm guessing to graduating high school and Olivia will be moving up through different school settings. How are you forecasting those milestones and being there as their mom and also carrying the fact that Danielle isn't there as well? We've hit a couple of those already. Uh, the one that I'm, I'm, I get upset about is Chloe's graduation. She'll be graduating next year. And she's brought that up to me before that she didn't realize how many milestones her mom was going to miss in her life and her graduation was one that she brought up it it feels unfair to me that I get to be here and she doesn't and Chloe and I've talked about that a lot I've told Chloe that whatever her mom would have done for her will do what I want to do for her and what she wants to do and we'll just kind of incorporate all of us together in those moments we'll do the same for Olivia when they come for her So it sounds like just staying really open to what they want to do. And then also trying to think about, you know, how, how Danielle would have been showing up in this and how can we also include her memory? Right, exactly. And you've mentioned Will and Grace and some favorite snacks and other ways that you keep Danielle present in your family's life. What, what are some other examples she liked to go to the beach. They would go walk down. Um, they'd go walk down the beach or there's a, there's a little town close by called Fairhope. And Fairhope has this really pretty pier. They would go walk down the pier or go to the parks. When they're really missing her, that's one thing that we, that we do. And that, luckily, that's one thing Danielle and I had in common. We, we both enjoy being outside. So We'll go on the nature walks and we'll talk about her and share stories. And another favorite show of mine is Will and Grace. So I have no problem watching Will and Grace. So <laughs> so we'll sit and watch Will and Grace and we'll share stories and go on the walks. And 
it seems to make everybody feel better. And it, it honestly makes me feel better too when I know, because I learn more a little bit at a time on all of these, these talks that we have. I learn a little bit more. So I learn more things that we could do or things that we should talk about. Yeah, Paige, as you're talking, I'm just sitting in a place of appreciation for how open you are and how active you are in keeping Danielle's memory alive, but also really involving Chloe and Olivia in how things are evolving and and making space for everybody and their experiences and their reactions. So really appreciating that. Thank you. So as we come to the end of our conversation, is there anything you looking back, I know coming up on three years, what's something you might have told yourself then that you know now that would have helped you over these last couple of years? Just give yourself grace. You're going to do fine. Everybody's going to be fine. It's okay to be upset and it's okay to, to talk about it. That was one thing that I didn't feel like I could do was really express myself. It's okay to talk. It's okay to cry. It's okay. It's okay to mess up, but you just have to give yourself the grace that you deserve. Oh, well, I appreciate you reaching out to me so that we could talk about your story today on the show. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Well, listeners, thank you for tuning in and for being part of our conversation today. If you're new to Grief Out Loud, you can find all of our past episodes at uh, D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Uh, As we're in this time of global health crisis, please know that the Dougie Center is here to support you. If you want to reach out, you can email us at help at Dougie dot O-R-G. You can call us at our phone number, which is listed on our website. Or if you want to talk to me specifically about the show, or if you're somebody like Paige who has a story you'd like to share, please reach out. My new email address is griefoutloud at dougie.org. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll hope you'll join us again next time. Mm